What is up, guys? Welcome back to Full Court Press. I'm your host, Dylan, alongside Cherish, Ethan, and Court. How's everybody doing today? Uh, feeling good, oh, my friend. Awesome. Good to hear. So, well, today's a special day in the basketball world. I, uh, I'll i hand that over to you, Cherish, and let you talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so, um, on this day, 13 years ago, Kobe Bryant scored the second most points ever in an NBA game, where he dropped 81 points in the Lakers' 122-104 to win over Toronto. Yeah, it was uh, definitely one of the better performances I'd say I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, Kobe's baller, and, uh, you know, you got to appreciate greatness if you like him or if you don't like him. But let's uh, let's get into some more trending and current basketball talk, and uh, we'll start off with the whole Alonzo Ball injury. Now, before I get to you guys, I'll put my quick two cents in. This is now his third or fourth ankle injury, I believe, or leg injury in general. I'm personally starting to get a little bit worried, and I would be if I was the Lakers front office, because somebody that young, after he's had surgeries and worked himself back and all that, you you can't have that happen. Otherwise, he's going to be gone and out of the league soon. But to break it down, it's a, a grade three ankle sprain, which is a little bit more on the severe side. And the Lakers trainer said that he's going to be out four to six weeks. It shouldn't be any more of that. But what are your thoughts on that, Cherish? Um, I think personally, it's only been two, so I'm not as worried just considering the best point guard in the league right now, Steph Curry. He had similar issues coming into the league. But if I was the Lakers, I would definitely be scared because he's a huge piece of their team. Before he got injured in that Houston game, they were up 15, and they ended up losing it. So they definitely are a lot better with him on the court. I agree. How about you, Ethan? What do you think about it? I completely agree with Cherish. I'm I'm not too worried about it yet. He's still very young. He can come back from almost any injury at this point. So as long as he continues to get back on track with his health and just keeps balling, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. I think uh, I think that's a pretty safe bet to bet on there. What would you say about the whole Lonzo Ball situation, Corp? Well, you know, uh, I I'd have to agree with everybody here. Like, it, it's not that concerning compared to some of the other guys in the league, and uh, of course with Steph Curry, like Cherish said. But um, I feel like this isn't really helping their season at all. Because once he comes back, he's still going to have to shake some of that rust off because an ankle sprain, even though it doesn't sound that severe, a grade three was like a grade three sprain is an entire tear of a ligament in your ankle. And so he's he's definitely going to be off to a rocky start once he comes back. Yeah, I think that's another safe bet. I feel like a lot of people, everything you guys all covered there, I think pretty close to what's actually going to happen. So... That being said, best luck to him. Um, I think the Lakers really need him, especially for that playoff push. Um, but we'll hit on the Mellow situation here really quick. If any of you guys haven't heard, 
he was traded to the Bulls for, I believe it was some cash consideration. And um, they went and said he's not going to play a game in a Bulls jersey. And he's uh, he's now looking for another team. I uh, I hope he doesn't go to Miami or the Lakers because he's friends with LeBron and them or and Dwayne Wade. Clearly, it didn't work out with CP3, and that's kind of their, their core group of friends. Um, but I, I think dude should be done. He had a great career. Retire and call it quits. I think you're good at that. Just just call it good, sit back, and enjoy the wealth that you earned yourself. But uh, what are your thoughts on the whole situation, Court? Well, um, I, I do feel that Carmelo Anthony, part of it is his uh, ego not really wanting to come off the bench that much. But um, he has kind of ran himself out of the league. But I, I do feel there are a couple teams like that could actually use him such as the Pelicans or the Portland Trailblazers. Both teams are really kind of lacking at small forward right now. Like, the Trailblazers have Evan Turner. They could really use – like, it doesn't hurt to have another scoring option out there at all. And I just feel like if he were to go anywhere, it shouldn't be the Lakers. They don't really need him. Yeah, I like, think that's just going to hurt them. Yeah. Um. All right. Well – Cherish, what are your uh, your ideas on this whole mellow situation? What do you think should happen? Well, personally, I don't I don't see him going anywhere besides Miami or LA. LA, I don't I understand why he would go because LeBron, the big lights, you know, big city and everything. But honestly, as a Heat fan, I'd kind of love Mello to join the team. I feel like he fits our offensive scheme. And he's not he's a mid range scorer. That's really what we do work grid and grind team as long as he can get in shape so he's not a huge defensive liability I feel like he can help us out with some scoring off the bench because he did average 13 points off the bench in the 10 games he played in Houston like I feel like he wouldn't have to play a major role here but he can he can give us a good 10 points off the bench you know yeah I Mm -hmm. think he could kind of fit that spot that James Johnson is um I mean, like, I'm, I'm a Miami Heat fan, too. If I know that he could get past his, his, you know, giant ego and realize, all right, I'm declining. I can still benefit a team, but I need to tell myself that I need to come off the bench and do what the team needs. There's no more, well, this is my team. I'm Carmelo Anthony. He's not LeBron. Like, yeah, they came out right around the same time, but you you can't compare yourself to others. You got to go off yourself. So I think the guy should retire. But what are your uh, thoughts on this whole situation, Ethan? Everything you just said in the past five seconds is what I was going to say. I don't – but I don't think – I think he's going to sign with the team, but I don't think he's going to be able to get over the fact of his ego. And I think – I think he's done, really. Yeah. He's not going to do anything. He might go in there. They're going to ask, try to get him to just fit his role, but I don't think he as a person can play that. I think he needs to be a star, and I just don't think it's going to work out for him at this point in his career. Yeah, I think uh, to wrap the whole mellow scenario up, I think at the end of the day, even if you get past the ego thing, I think he's just trying to chase the ring because that's all. I think that's all he's wanted his whole career, which most players do. It's understandable, but I think he needs to – 
take a different route to getting it now. But uh, you have something to say, Court? Oh, yeah. I actually had a, a, a different outlook on it. I mean, if Miller wins that one real final last hurrah, do y'all think he he wouldn't be opposed to going overseas for like a season or two? I think he's way, I don't think he's way too old for that. I wouldn't say he's too old for it, but I think his ego. I don't think his ego would allow him to play for anywhere other than the bright light to the NBA. Yeah, that's what I, I said. I didn't I mean to say old. I meant to say he's too far over that. It's it's not enough for him. Yeah. I could look. You see him signing in like a Golden State just mm-hmm. for sure. Well, I would kind of like to yeah. see that. I wouldn't. Actually, I would because he would destroy that team. <laughs> no, I guess I'm a Mellow fan, you know. Like I like Mellow as a player. I I I just want to see him succeed. You know. I think he'll get around. All right. Does anybody else have anything to say about the Mellow situation before we move on? Um, no, I'm all good. All right. I'm we'll good. uh, well, we'll move on to uh, James Harden. He's got quite the hot hand currently. He's uh just now past LeBron for the most 50-point games between all active NBA players currently. And he's, I mean, like I said, he's just straight up balling. There's not really, that's really all you can do to sum it up. So, Jarrett, what are your thoughts on the whole James Harden situation currently? I think it's pretty ridiculous, to be honest. I feel like he's talented enough to put up these stats, but I don't think he should be getting the stats that he's putting up. That he I has. agree. So, first off, he's shooting 38% from deep. He's shooting 5 for 13 a game. He's shooting 11 free throws a game, which is the most in the NBA. Averaging 36 points a game, which is amazing. But I feel like there's a lot of calls that he gets that nobody else in the NBA would even come close to getting. It's solely because of his. Oh, you're uh, you uh, there, Cherish? Yeah. Oh. I did. That, that, oh, that you was cut it. out for me. Yeah, I um, I honestly could see something like the whole LeBron flop rule. If he continues this whole scenario that he's putting himself into with getting these calls and all that, I think we're going to see a James Harden roll rolling out here within the next two to three years, um, which I think is severely needed. But other people might disagree. What's uh, your opinion and thoughts on this whole situation, Court? Um, I honestly feel that with, with the stuff that the refs are calling – and just in general, there is no stopping James Harden. I'm sorry. Like, what are you going to do? You, you can't let him drive in because he's just going to score. You can't just leave him out there because he is a consistent three-point shooter. I mean, really the only thing that you can do at this point is just foul him. It, it's just a whole confusing situation in general. Like, I, I don't really like James Harden for this. Out. And it's really not his fault. It's more of the NBA referees. I don't know what they're doing. Because, like, we, we've all seen the video with Steph Curry doing the exact same step back. They call it a travel. Mm-hmm. It's just like, where, where's that coming from? Yeah, I think there's a definite, definitely some favoring going on. Or they're just so blindsided by it and they just completely forget to call it. I mean, all those just sound like 
really far out there excuses, but I, I don't have any logical reason to why they're not calling what should be called. But, um, Ethan, do you have any thoughts on the whole James Harden situation? James Harden, we talked about historic run. He's getting all these points. Yeah, he's getting fouls, but that, that that's irrelevant. He's putting up almost 40. Wasn't he putting up over 40 points a game over a 10 game stretch at one point? I believe so. I think over the and that's an amazing run, but it's going to be plagued that the Rockets are five and five during this run. It's looking more like a stats grab. I remember him saying in an interview that he's coming for the MVP. Why is he not coming for the title? And I think that's really what's going to hamper him when you look at this season. The Rockets are twenty six and twenty. He's having a historic season, one of the best seasons really ever for just pure scoring but it's not leading the Rockets anywhere. And I think you might want to come off a, a different approach and go back to the triple-double hard, and that was leading the Rockets to all those wins. I agree. I, I like that. I think that's a, that's a really good take. Yeah, I, I really like that too. I think what they should have done was build off of where they left off last year because they had a good thing starting. And I think James Harden kind of went and killed it. He was like, you know what? I should, I deserve the MVP, but they didn't give it to me, so I'm going to go get it next year. I really don't care if it makes us lose 35 games or it makes us win 70. I don't, I don't care. I just want that MVP. I think that's the mindset he's got going on. Going back, actually, with on the Mello thing, James Harden and Mello, to me, are really similar players in their mindset. They both – feel to me that they need to be the star of the team that they need to have all these accolades but they're not winners they want to do all these things and they're like if the wins come then the wins come but the wins don't come because they need to play team basketball to get the wins. Harden at his best was when they were all playing that team basketball Clint Capella was going off Chris Paul and James Harden were in sync that may do be due to injuries because Capella is out and Chris Paul has been having some nagging injuries but James Harden should be a leader of this team, and right now it's just not looking like it. Hello? Yeah. Uh, I like that. Um, James Harden, I feel like a lot of players, everybody the NBA is, like, focused on consistency right now, and James Harden, like, He's a really inefficient player. Cause like he averages well, what does he shoot? Probably forty. Thirty seven percent. Thirty seven percent from the forty four percent from the field. Yeah, five point six turnovers a game. Like anybody else in the league, if LeBron was averaging four or three turnovers a game, media would have ripped him off. I think he is getting four. But James Harden is averaging almost six six turnovers a game while shooting less than 40% from Well, deep. that's more of a usage thing. Westbrook was getting his fair share. He still is getting his fair share. Yeah, but it's like if anybody else was averaging, was like inefficient <laughs> to the extent of James Harden, nobody would be considering him for MVP. I honestly think it's a travesty if he wins MVP this season. I feel like Giannis, it, it would be rob- a robbery from Giannis. I think Giannis deserves it also. Giannis is a scary player. A very scary player. I think Giannis is 
probably the most talented player in the NBA right now. I mean, I, I wouldn't I say, say either, necessarily he's there yet, but I think not, if he can just get think, a semi-decent three-point shot, he'll be the best. Not He might not have the I accolades, think, but he'd be the best basketball player of all time. I think either him or Anthony Davis are the two most talented NBA players right now. I think right now it'd still be Anthony Davis. I think it'd be Anthony Davis. The only reason I give Giannis the edge because of his amazing passing ability. I agree. And he's not shooting well this season. That's been Anthony Davis's one little notch on him, and he's he never really been able to pass like at all. Yeah. But but he's, he's Giannis is averaging he's averaging almost thirteen rebounds a game, just under six assists, while averaging just about 27 points, shooting 58% from the field. Giannis is a 2K player, man. I mean, there's nothing else you can say about Giannis other than that he's a 2K player. He's literally a human cheat code. It's just not fair. He's in a different league compared to everyone else in the NBA. And he's even – he shoots 64% from twos, but only 18% from deep, which is actually better. Than it was earlier this season. I mean, but it's a, I think that's really like. Big drop. Uh, I think he's just having a poor season because his career is twenty-seven percent. I mean, from three, yeah, poor yeah. season in yeah. general. Now, from three, I think he's yeah, just I'll, down a little bit this year. But it seems like everyone's almost I'll down see. a little bit with their shooting this year. Yeah, I feel like because Westbrook went down, everyone's kind of going down now. Now that I'm like thinking about it, I'm gonna. Westbrook, Westbrook is just he's being on a whole different level, you know. Court, Dylan, you guys got anything you want to say about this? Oh, um, uh, you're you're talking about a uh, Westbrook, uh, or um, not Giannis. Giannis, it doesn't. I I know I know I'm probably gonna get a lot of crap for this, but Giannis is is it isn't that he's a talented player. It's just he, it's the Greek freak. He's a freak of nature. It's like you can't stop him. Like if you can't if you can't guard him, it doesn't matter how talented. So that's really all I have to say about that. Well, you can't guard him because he's the best player. I, I would. I just want to stay for it's the not his there. fault. He's using his physical things as a. Yeah, I know. I'm not saying that it's his fault, but I'm just saying like he's not the like the most talented somebody who could just kill you on other end whether whether he was able to just pull up in your face like he's a the most talented is a scoring threat and i'd have to say it's still lebron james scoring wise i i i guess lebron's a better scorer because he has a three ball yeah yeah it's, but it's all so, around lebron, lebron is really impressed with that, coming on and grabbing that three ball later in his career yeah, but- that all around dominance, I'd say Giannis is light years ahead of LeBron right now. Oh yeah, D- dominance wise, y- Giannis is untouchable right now because it's just he's he is somebody who's almost seven feet tall, and he drove he has handles like a point guard. And y'all heard it the set the whole seven strides down the court thing. No- nobody else is doing that. Nobody's guarding that. It's like you crazy. It's never. I mean, realistically. Basketball coaches, they say you're only supposed to take three dribbles on a fast break. 
You should be able to get down the court in three dribbles. I feel like Giannis can do it in one and a half. Giannis is going to cause a huge problem for the NBA when he's gone because all these big guys now are going to be looking at Giannis saying, huh, maybe I don't want to be a center. Maybe I don't want to be back to the basket. Maybe I want to be a point guard that can dribble and drive on every single person in the NBA. I didn't know Westbrook was averaging a triple-double again. Westbrook is averaging a triple-double, playing great defense, but he cannot shoot this year. Oh, yeah. Not at all. Anywhere. 41% from the field, 24%. I don't even sixty-five percent from. I think he's just in a rut right now. I heard um Colin Coward saying that he doesn't think he's an all-star anymore, and I'm like, really? It's like he's having a bad shooting year, but not an all-star. That's any anybody who can average a triple-double at the NBA level deserves to be in the all-star game. I'm sorry, that's just a fact. I don't care if you only scored ten points. If you're able to go out there and get over ten assists and ten rebounds as well, you're doing something right, and you deserve to be an all-star. Facts. It's like Draymond Green, he, he's been an all-star these last couple of years off of defense alone. Yeah, and you got, you got guys like Ben Wallace. Man was undrafted, starter in the all-star game, so, solely off defense. Ben Wallace was a great player. Phenomenal. He was a different he was a different breed. Yeah, I agree. All right, sorry about that, guys. We had a uh, small technical difficulty, but we're back, and that's all that matters. So, our next topic we had on the list before we uh, got cut off there was college basketball, college hoops, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, this week, we had a big switch up within the top five, like a massive switch up. Um, you saw Duke lose. We saw Michigan lose, which is your number one and your number two team. Playing well. Virginia lost. Gonzaga's still playing decent. Um, and then you have Michigan State, who is now currently ranked six. They're coming up there. I think they're going to break the top five here very soon. Um, and then after that, you have quite a few other pretty decent teams. You have Nevada at seven. You have Kentucky at eight. You have Kansas at nine. And you have Virginia Tech at ten. Yes. I don't really think you get much better or much worse with that. Can you guys hear me? I yeah. can. Yeah, I can hear you. I just, I just I don't know where you're going. Sure. Um, so, I personally think that there could be some different scenarios. Michigan should be ahead of Zaga. Um, I like Tennessee at one right now. I'm glad to see Duke move back because this is now their second loss. I don't think they should have been one in the first place. Um, I think Michigan State might. They should. I I think they're kind of good where they are. I could see them maybe up a little bit. But uh, so, like I said, the top five is Tennessee, then Duke, Virginia, Gonzaga, and Michigan. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I'll start with you, Court. Um, you know, I, I'm not really surprised. I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad Duke got bumped down because it it just shows that th- this team is not unbeatable. Like there is a, and I'm st- I'm still holding to it. 
my prediction is March Madness. Duke gets up, gets an upset loss by some team. There's gonna be some team that's gonna want it more, and they're just gonna upset all of Duke, and that's gonna be that. Fair but, enough. Yeah, that's really all I have to say about it. Um, you know, gl- glad to see my two teams from home state of Virginia, you know, out there in the top ten. Yeah. But besides that, you know, don't really have much else to say. Yeah, I think um, I believe everything you say about that Duke scenario. Um, they're such a young team, and compared to all these other top teams, and even you know, I guess you could call them Cinderella story teams. I think they might get their heads full, and they're like, "Well, we're the number one team in the country." Or we're the number two team in the country because I think they're going to end up finishing the season within the top three, and they might kind of get that little airhead effect, and um, I think they might be able to get swept right out from under them, and they're not going to know what happened. Um, do you have anything to say on that topic, Ethan? Right now, I think I really like Michigan. Michigan has a tough roster. They got some good players that can just fit in a scheme well, and I think that's going to work them really well in the tournament. Because college basketball is different from the NBA, where you don't necessarily need a star. You need a team that can play its role, kind of like the Patriots, play their role, do their job, and then they get the win. It's whoever wants it more, and I think Michigan, I think they have a really good shot at that this year. I I 100% agree with that. I mean, yes, it's biased. I'm a Wolverines fan. No, to our listeners, I didn't just jump on this bandwagon. I'm from the state of Michigan. I was born and raised a Michigan Wolverine. End of story. <laughs> um, you hopped on the I, heat went bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> but I, um, I agree with that. You have, you know, like you said, they they do have stars and they don't. You have, they have stars in the sense that they might become something, but they have a star where it's like they're not – Zion Williamson. They're not a, that type of star. Yeah, that's that's understandable. Um, they have Ignis Prasdinkis. He's a like I said in our last um, podcast episode one. He's a five star small forward in Canada. He's got that knock on his shoulder. Well, all these people are saying I'm just from Canada. That five star will equate out to a three and a half four star here in America. He's playing great. He's balling out. Charles Matthews, he's got his on and off days. I believe he's scoring right around between 13 to 15 points a game, just like uh, Brasdinkis. And then you have my personal favorite, I guess you, what you would call the star of that team, that's Jordan Poole. He brings that fire to the team, and he's up there. I believe he's their top scorer right now currently with 16 or 17 points a game. He might be a little bit lower. Um, he's the point guard, correct? No, he's the shooting. He can't handle the ball at point, but their point guard is Xavier Simpson. He's a six-one scrappy player. The guy's got amazing skills around the basket. Like he, he'd be dangerous. Like if you made, if you gave him LeBron James' body, he might be the LeBron James just with amazing defense. <laughs> Give everyone the LeBron James body, and they're LeBron James. Okay, fair enough. But I think LeBron is a good – off top, but LeBron is a good defender when he wants to be. It's just that he doesn't. Yeah. That's another story, though. That We yeah, can go but, on and on about that. Yeah, one right but yeah. just a brush on it. Yeah. 
I know Cherish, it seems as if he cannot get back into the podcast. Um, Technical difficulties. Breakaway gag. Sorry again, guys. We had another technical difficulty. But we're all back, and we're going to finish the episode strong for you guys. Um, I know, Cherish, you specifically wanted to talk about it, and uh, I'll hand the reins over to you. And let's talk about Trey Jones and the whole injury going on over there in Duke. All right. If I was Duke, I'd be very scared right now. Trey Jones is a huge piece of his team. He's their floor general. He is the key to their offense. Without the ball movement and the extremely great defense that he plays, I don't see them winning it all. I feel like he is really the key to their team right now. Without them, I feel like R.J. Barrett, he could run point guard. Like, he has the playmaking ability to do it. But defensively, they will miss him drastically. As you saw how they ended up losing the Syracuse game after he went out. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, he's not really a household name like Cameron Reddish or – Zion Williamson or RJ Barrett, but to an extent, you can kind of compare it to the Golden State Warriors. He's kind of that Draymond Green. Like, if you look back at the mm. 2016 finals, they're for sure, oh, yep, Golden State's sweeping them. And then the, the Draymond Green situation happened where he got suspended a game, and look what happened. I think he's kind of the glue that holds together that Duke team, and if they want to go far, they're going to need him healthy. If you let me cut in for a second, Trey Jones to me is the perfect college basketball player because he's that guy that can play his role, like you said, a Draymond Green. He's a great defender. He plays his role. He knows how to get everyone in the team involved, that floor general guy. He, to me, could be the most important player on any team in college basketball. There's a team – you could put him on any single team, but I think he would have success. How that would translate to the NBA, I don't know. You'd have to watch. His brother Tyus is a great role player. But just in terms of college basketball, he's a player I would want on my team if I was going into March Madness. I agree. I think he's uh, he's one of those those rare talents that you find – that's that old stereotypical floor general that you want. And you don't see that a lot nowadays in college. You um, don't see that a lot in point guards in general anymore. Yeah, they're more of a pure scorer. Do you have anything to say on that I whole situation, like. Court? Oh, yeah, I do. I definitely feel like it, it, it probably won't hurt Duke at first, but later into the playoffs or March Madness, like it, it's definitely going to start taking its effect because you got these teams out here. We've got guys like seniors who are those floor generals who can go out there, command everybody, hold it up on defense. I feel like that's where Duke's going to fall apart. But at the same time, though, I also feel like Jones, he, he this is going to hurt his NBA stock drastically. Like, he may be a second-round pick now. Oh, I don't know where he was projected. But, like, just any injury has to get you a little worried as an NBA team. But I do feel like in the end it'll work, it'll work out for him. Like, I could see him being one of those guys who – Definitely isn't – he's never going to be an all-star, per se, but he's one of those guys who will find his place in the league due to his leadership abilities. And it's like fun once he's in, a, like, a veteran role around, like, 33, his, like, 30s, late late 20s. I, I definitely feel like there's a place for him in the NBA regardless. 
yeah. could see him becoming almost like an Alfred Payton-esque, at least. I, I actually believe he could be a multi-time all-star. I really like Trey Jones, but at least I think he can be an Alfred Payton type of guy. Ten, get it some assists. I think if he stays healthy and he keeps progressing, he's got – I think he's got the ability to be not at John Wall's level, but that type of player I at a lower level. Like in, in 2K rankings – I think he's got the possibility to turn out to be like a solid 86, 87 overall point guard. <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole thing with Ucourt, though, I agree with all of that except for one thing. And I guess this is going to hurt his draft stock, but I don't think it's going to throw him into the second round. Yeah. I think he's yeah. too good and his name's well known. I mean, look at uh, look at Michael Porter Jr., he played one game at, a, at Missouri. It wasn't even a powerhouse like Duke or anything. And you can see now the – and especially depending on how long he's out, NBA analysts and teams are going to see the impact he had and has had on Duke. So yeah. I don't think that he's going to – his. I don't think his draft stock's going to be affected that much compared to what usually – other players would be because he's just got that kind of household name and we've seen what his brother can do. So I'm sure that will just translate over to him in the NBA as well. Can I add on to that? Yeah, go ahead, Cherish. Like I completely agree with what you just said because so as I'm looking at right now, Darius Garland, a point guard who went to Vanderbilt, played five games this season, averaging 16.2 points per game, and had season-ending knee surgery, so he declared for the draft. He's projected to be the number seven pick already, despite only playing five games at Vanderbilt. Teams right now, they like to draft off of potential. They draft talent, and they draft potential in the first, like in the lottery. Two years ago, Sacramento drafted Harry Giles with a 14th pick after missing out on his entire senior season of high school and only playing three games at Duke as a freshman, and he was still lottery pick. Last year, Michael Porter Jr., another number 14 pick, played three college games. This year, you also have Bull Bull, who played five games in college and is still projected to be a top 10 pick in the draft. I feel like Trey Jones could still be a high to mid first round pick despite the injury, because even on top of the injury, he still has a higher body of work. But he still played ten plus games, and he still could come back this season. Uh, okay, I see where y'all are coming from with the whole Michael Porter Jr. Harry Giles argument. But the thing about those guys is they were all top tier players before that. Michael Porter Jr. was getting comparisons to Kevin Durant even at the time of the draft. They're still calling him the next T Mac. Now I don't think that's true, but like there's still that potential that they saw. But like, tri- like I'm gonna say Trey Jones, my bad. It's a history. Tyus is on the Timberwolves. Uh, Ty, yeah, Tyus. Okay, yeah. So Trey Jones, he, I feel like he's somebody like he may be a late first round pick, but guys like Bull Bull, they're free, the thing that they have is they're freaks of nature. Like Bull Bull, what what is he like seven? He's over seven feet. I know that. Seven three, I think. Three. They're gonna take a swing on him just from his sheer just frame alone. But this guy, I feel like. 
because he's so young. You can't just come into a rookie and be that much of a – as a rookie into the NBA and be that much of a leader because you're going to catch a lot of crap from the veteran players on your team. And that, that's a quick way out. So if he does get drafted in the first round, I really wouldn't expect him to do much in the NBA immediately. But, I mean, G League, on the other hand, if you send him down to the G League, that'd be a nice little role for him. If he needs that much time to, I guess you could say, recoup from an injury, I mean, he's. I think right now you could toss him onto an NBA team and he's going to be able to help you as long as he's healthy. I I think – be off the bench or a starter. Yeah, I think the only way you put that guy in the G League is if he sits the rest of this year out and they don't like what they see um, from him at summer workouts and summer league and all that stuff because – Summer league's a good spot to where if you're coming off an injury, you're playing against guys your age and everybody, they're just there to try and get that chance to, you know, move up and say they're going to go from 10 minutes a game to possibly 25 minutes a game on whichever team they're on. I don't think the G League's going to be anything that he's going to go to unless he can't play in the summer league. But I think at the end of the day, Duke needs him. If they want a chance at winning the championship, Trey Jones has to be a part of that roster and he needs to be healthy. That is definitely true. So we'll we'll close off the podcast here and we'll um, talk about the NFL. We had the AFC championship and the NFC championship game this week. You had New England versus Kansas City. New England beat Kansas City 37-31. And in the NFC Championship game, the Los Angeles Rams beat the New Orleans Saints 26-23. Now, there's more that we can add to that. I'm uh, I'm just going to say cough, cough, botched play. And uh, we'll let you talk about this one first, Ethan. We're talking about the Saints, right? I'm sorry. I zoned out a little bit. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, it's late in the fourth quarter. The Saints are driving – by superstar Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees. He sees his man downfield for the first down. He fires it in. It falls incomplete, not due to the receiver not being able to get to the ball, but because of Roby Coleman getting a pass interference call, which he admitted afterwards on Twitter, and the refs admitted. But it fell through and then went to overtime, and the Rams made an insane way to walk off with a 57-yard field goal. And now fans of the Saints, as well as Michael Thomas, are looking for a petition for, I don't know the exact rule, but it's that the commissioner can overturn the results of a game or have it be played out again. And I like where it's coming from. I think it's a good – but not in the playoffs. The – both teams had penalties that favored him. The Saints had a couple face masks. I mean, it could have it easily could have made it so the Saints would have won that game. But in the playoffs, going towards the Super Bowl, I think they'd have to delay the Super Bowl if this were to happen because then the Patriots would have a lot more rest time than whoever ended up winning that game. But yeah, they would absolutely have to. It's a heartbreaker, and I just, I just, I don't think it's possible that where they could do it. Yeah, I I agree with all that. I mean, personally, the Rams and the Chiefs are both exciting young teams. After the next few years, I think the Saints 
well, Drew Brees and Tom Brady are going to be kind of passing the torch on to Patrick Mahomes. And not even necessarily Jared Goff, but the Rams team itself. I was I was wanting to see a Saints versus Patriots game. We're going to be able to see Tom Brady. Um, I think, hands down, unless you're a blind ref, that's a pass interference call. And that game could – I mean, especially with the momentum they had started, that game – should have been the Saints going to the Super Bowl. But like you said, we'll see if they implement a new rule. I'm sure oh, there'll be something that will change. That they could use. Okay. I'm sure that we might see that come into play here. If not, that really sucks for the Saints. But you, you just got to gear up for next year and make another run at it. Um, On a different hand, Sean McVay, I think this may be a passing of the torch game between him and Belichick. I, I believe that Sean McVay could be the next great head coach in the NFL. You know, that's he has a... a great mind for football. He was a great college coach. He turned Jared Goff from a lot of people thinking he was a bust, because I believe he was one and eight in his rookie year, turning him into a player that's now being seen as a kind of an MVP candidate. I don't think he's that. I think he's more of a game manager, but that's completely fine. Because with the running back and Todd Gurley and CJ Anderson, that tandem could be great for years to come. Sean McVay has a hell of a team on his hands, and you could really see something come out until three Super Bowls in three years. I agree with that. I think I 100% agree with everything you just said there, except for the borderline MVP for Goff. I agree. I I wouldn't have called him a bust yet because it's such – he's so early on in his career that yeah, you can't label him a bust yet. Um, I don't think if you want to, I think the ceiling for him is Alex Smith. You're going, like you said, you're going to get a game manager. You're not going to get a superstar out of him, which a lot of people think, especially because he was the number one overall pick in that draft. But yes, that team's succeeding, but you have, they're underperforming currently, but that, Roster-wise and name-wise, is by far the best defensive team in the NFL. They have, before injuries, they had Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks is back, they have Robert Woods, like you said, they have Todd Gurley, they had C.J. Anderson. He's got an amazing team around him, but he's, before the playoffs, he had quite a good stretch there of struggling games. And a lot of them, yes, Todd Gurley wasn't there, but if you're going to be a good quarterback and you're going to have still that great of a team around you, you should still be able to pull it off and not struggle. I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes. He lost Kareem Hunt, and he didn't skip a beat. Well, I want to cut in real quick. That was more due to my my opinion of the loss of Corey Cup, his favorite receiver. Corey Cup was having a tremendous season, and when he went down, Goff kind of slipped away a little bit. But the reason I think Goff could be a borderline MVP candidate because teams, they're going to focus on Todd Gurley. They're going to try to take Gurley out of the game, and that's just going to leave up a lot of play action, down-the-field opportunities for him and Cooks, as well as Corey Cup. And that is why I think Goff has a chance to do it. Does he necessarily deserve it? No, but because of the defenses, going to have to lay off on Todd Gurley. They're going to want to be on him. And then C.J. Anderson as well, if they keep him around, that is why I think Jared Goff has a chance to be a borderline MVP quarterback. Yeah, I I can respect that. What are uh, your thoughts on this whole situation, Cherish? 
Um, in terms of the game, I feel like New Orleans is robbed. But I feel like Jared Goff, he could be a future Hall of Famer to come. He's shown great he's shown great improvement over his first two or three seasons in the league so far. And he's already I say he's in one of like either if he's not top tier, he's right below it in terms of NFL quarterbacks right now. Just because like yes, Todd Gurley is the best player on their team offensively. But without Jared Goff, swap Jared Goff for Kirk Cousins or a Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Bradford, one of my love players. And they're not half of the team that they are right now. Like he does he, he plays a big part for that team. But in terms of the sorry, it's all good. In terms of the Super Bowl matchup, I love it. New England Patriots, Los Angeles Rams, seventeen years in the making. It was a Super Bowl win over the Rams that started off Tom Brady's legacy. You could say it was his first Super Bowl win, if I'm right. And the fact that it possibly that he could possibly beat or lose to them as his last Super Bowl. I, I think that's just amazing. A loss would be really poetic. I feel like the NFL's really come full circle. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost a passing of the torch in a way. I mean, yeah. even if it was the Saints and the Chiefs, either or if you have the Rams and the Patriots or the Saints and the Chiefs in there, it's a passing of the torch because I personally think that Patrick Mahomes is he's got the ability to if he keeps progressing how he did this year after playing one game last year because Alex Smith was hurt. I think honestly now I'm a gigantic Tom Brady fan. I think by far he's the best quarterback in the world. I think if he keeps progressing, Patrick Mahomes has the chance to surpass Tom Brady. I think Mahomes may be a Aaron Rodgers. Well, I don't know if he's necessarily going to win a lot. He's going to get all these accolades passing the ball, but I'm not sure how much he's going to actually win. I don't know. He's won quite a few this year, and they had one of I, the worst-ranked defenses in the country. Well, they just fired their defensive coordinator today. Not necessarily this year, but Aaron Rodgers has his fair share of wins. Yeah, but this team that's around – Mahomes is 10 times better than any of the teams I personally think Aaron Rodgers has had around him. And they've always had a at least subpar defense. This Kansas City Chiefs team, their defense is horrendous. Like I said, they just fired their defensive coordinator who um, followed uh, Andy Reid to Kansas City. He's been there for five years, and he finally decided to call him quits because he realized they got over the hump, and they realized that they need to move on from that whole situation, and they need to get a defense under them if they want to beat the Rams. Because from now on out, when Tom Brady's done and the Saints are done, well, not when the Saints are done, but when Drew Brees is done, the Rams are going to be the team to beat, and the Chiefs are going to be that team that's going to be pushing them every year. Now, dropping back actually a little bit to what Cherish said about Patrick Mahomes. Not Pat, sorry, Jared Goff and him possibly being in the Hall of Fame. I think he could do that. But I don't think it'll be more on Jared Goff. I think it'd be more on what McVay and Todd Gurley could do to boost Jared Goff's accolades in general. 
Yeah, they got to take off the pressure from him because I don't think he's got the ability to take the pressure on him and be that Tom Brady or that Ben Roethlisberger or that Peyton Manning or that Drew Brees. I think he's going to need all those players around him. He's not going to be able to take a – like if you put him on the the Detroit Lions, if anything, they'll lose more games than they did this year with Matthew Stafford. Or if you put him into a better situation and you put him in Minnesota – I think that team is going to be staying right around where they finished this year with Kirk Cousins, and I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Goff. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I'm, I'm just not a fan of Kirk Cousins, though. So. Yeah, but all said and done, we'll finish the show off here with Super Bowl um, score predictions. I'll start. I think that Tom Brady's got that lust for that last ring or at least one more ring. Who knows how long or how much longer he's going to play. He's um, got another 10 years. Yeah. I think the Patriots are going to probably win. It's either going to be an absolute blowout or it's going to be close. But I think they're probably going to win by probably 10 points. I'm going to say maybe 21 to – you know, it could be almost like Saint or the, the – AFC Championship game, it could be a 37-31 situation if they keep it close. But I think the margin of victory for the Patriots is going to be 10 points. I think it will be 41-38 Los Angeles Rams. It's a high-scoring Super Bowl. (laughs) I think that is what it's going to end up being. Yeah, all right. What is... uh... What's your score prediction, Cherish? I'm going to have to go with 27-24 New England wins. Game winning field goal, OT. You know, I could see that happen. We've seen that happen a lot with the Patriots. (laughs) I feel like the only thing that can improve this Patriots team is if they sign 46-year-old. What's his name? 46-year-old Adam Vinatieri. Yeah, he's uh he's a very good kicker. I'd put him in top five of all time of NFL kickers. Yeah. And what's ironic is he's the one who kicked the game winning field goal against the Rams the first time that they played in the Super Bowl. That's funny. I did not know that. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think the Patriots are taking it. They just got too much it's it's not even talent. It's just they got they they keep themselves well well within the means of winning and they know how to win. They've been doing it for years now, you know, over a decade and it's Tom Brady. You can't ever count them out. Look at the Super Bowl when they played the Falcons a few years back. Everybody thought they were done, but guess what? They weren't. Exactly. You can't write them off. Greatest quarterback ever. Greatest coach. I agree. Well, uh, We'll we'll leave it with that. There's not much more you can say besides that because that's the truth. But thank you guys for tuning in today. Again, this is the Full Court Press Podcast, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.